1: In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula 1, which this week are F1 heads to Imola, or does it? Bottas hopes for more wins, whilst McLaren have to dream smaller, some drivers already under pressure, and Ferrari look for a home victory. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at FormulaNerds.com. As ever, I am your host, James McKenzie, and I'm joined by Sam and Abby. Sam, how is it going?
0: Bonsoir. Yeah, it's good, thank you. I'm I'm chirpy this evening, uh, so (laughs) I can't complain. Yes, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, how are you, Abby?
2: I'm alright, thank you. I'm a bit cold because the English weather's going a bit up and down, but I'm glad to be here recording the podcast with you guys.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's been pretty crazy here as well in, in Paris. It's been like, you can't dress right for the season. Like It's really hot and then it's like torrential rain. It's been quite annoying. There is some very, that's a lovely segue... <laughs> second piece of French of the evening, uh, is a lovely segue into our first topic. But just before we get to that, uh, a quick word from our sponsors. This show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gift shop online and in-store. Visit www.fms.store or pick up in-store. BS. Uh, not to take away from that, segue from Abby, we will now segue... Using that, it is set to be a pretty eventful weekend in Imola, full card of F1, F2 and F3, plenty of upgrades, new qualifying format again, but it can only be eventful if the event happens at all. It's the weather that is proving to be the problem. With Italy already having faced a spell of adverse weather this month, triggering storms and floods, the situation has shown no sign of improving this week, and so the Grand Prix is facing severe disruption with the region currently under a red alert weather warning. It's even being reported that F1 staff are currently being evacuated from the track. The Santero River, right next to the circuit, is already flooding at a higher level than during the enormous rainfall at the beginning of May, and it'll keep on raining for at least 24 hours. The situation is constantly changing. Uh, so as of recording, which is Tuesday evening, this is where we're at. We'll
0: see where we are tomorrow. Are you too worried? Yes, but also there's still time. Like, they will move Helen Highwater, excuse the pun, to have an event this weekend. Even if it's a reduced bill, again, I will reach out to F2 and F3 to find out what potential plans are there, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they are the ones that are sacrificed if they need to run a more streamlined weekend, uh, say, or, you know, car session here, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, they're always the first things to go. Um, So we'll have to see. But also, the fact that there was heavy rainfall earlier in the month, and not to fudge GCSE geography, and apologies if I do, but the waterbed is surely... already you know, saturated like the you know the ground isn't going to be able to absorb as much water as it would have without that previous rainfall so yeah you're adding on so this is the situation we're in and yeah the the river you mentioned i'm not going to try and pronounce it is right next to tamborello it's, it's very close um so yeah there's they can't take a risk and i think it once you start with the weekend you kind of have to try and see it through you Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like you you see how you go or do you think you make a call one way or the other?
2: I think, like you said, Sam, it is still early days. As James said, it is Tuesday. There's still a few days left before they actually get for free practice on the track. F1 aren't going to call it quits early on. They will probably wait till the last minute to make sure that they can get out on the circuit because it is a Grand Prix weekend. They will want to get on there. And I agree with Sam. If anything was to be sacrificed over the weekend, it would be the feeder series. So F1 would then be the main event of it and the only focus of it. But hopefully the weather does calm down and we do get to see a race in Imola.
1: I hope so. And I think we probably will. I mean, like yeah, Sam said, they, they will make it happen one way or another. It's, it's almost unprecedented for a Grand Prix to just be fully cooled off. Certainly if down to the weather. We've seen things, we've seen, you know, weekends shuffled about. Uh, I remember at Cota where they had to do qualifying Sunday morning and and things like that. But one way or another, there's, there's too much in it for them. Uh, and knowing F1 and how things normally go in F1, we will probably end up with a, a practice session rained off and then a bone dry Saturday and Sunday and, and no excitement. Uh, so assuming that it does all happen, let's focus on what will happen or could happen. We, we've of course got the aforementioned upgrades, which could make or break some teams' seasons. Let's not debate those too much, I think we've uh, we've done so already, but instead focus on the new qualifying formats. So in a nutshell, this is going to be the drivers on hard tyres in Q1, medium in Q2, and the soft in Q3. It's an exercise in sustainability, reducing the number of tyre sets from 13 to 11, However, the biggest impact as a new tyre experiment may be felt on Sunday as it could produce an interesting case study on how to make the racing more exciting. So in a season where the spectacle has uh, not been that great so far, lots of predictable one-stop strategies, uh, do you think this could help open the door for two stops? In theory, it should mean that the drivers will end up with at least two sets of mediums and hards for the race.
0: Potentially, essentially, if and this is something that's kind of gone out the window in F1, but it's very much still a thing in other racing series like IndyCar, the whole idea of a scrubbed set of tyres, a used set. And because it's already had a heat cycle go through it, it can often be more durable, which might see a little bit of variety in how teams approach um, their strategy as opposed to just having new tyres put on. You know, Occasionally, a team will put on a used set of softs. Towards the end of a race, if there's a safety car, if whatever whatever there is, so yeah, you could see some more diversity and strategy. That would be really nice, but I don't know. I think the main virtue of this is the sustainability side of it. You're reducing waste. You're you're reducing the and also the shipping costs as well to get these tyres to, to the to the track. Um, so that seems to be the main thing. I think everything else we're just going to have to wait and see. Really.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping that it will kind of mix up the strategies, make it a bit more exciting, make it not a one-stop race. But like Sam said, it is more about the sustainability, reducing the environmental impact of the production and transportation of the tyres. But I'm also interested with the weather in Imola being so wet at the moment about the new wet weather tyre coming into play, because if the weather does persist, if it lessens but still continues, hopefully we'll see that, which I believe they're a lot more positive about than the previous wet weather tyres as well.
1: Yeah, good point um well yeah i I I hope we'll get to see that and maybe some some very mixed up grids or mixed up
0: racing yeah i mean there are some cars that are able to get the hards to switch on a bit easier i think williams from memory tend to have a better time than others disproportionately on the hards so you might see a bit of variety in the order but again let's face it that back half the last six teams on the grid are much closer this year than we've seen in previous years there's basically no back marker so Mm -hmm. yeah again i don't off the top of my head i'm trying to work out what the effects on qualifying might be but this may just have to be that case study as i said before i think Mercedes also did well in Melbourne when the others were
1: struggling to switch on their tyres. I think it was cold, wasn't it? And that's that was the problem there, which, which
0: played into their hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, merely a three or four lap stint at full tilt is a bit different from a, a race stint. But yeah. I guess the logic still holds true in that sense.
1: Well, it's going to take something very mixed up if we were to get uh, a Valtteri Bottas win. But that is what
0: he's thinking about, right, Sam? it is indeed he's uh yeah ahead of this weekend he said that he still desire you know he's still fighting for wins or wants to fight for wins in f1 he's also said that he's far from being done with the sport he's pointed out drivers that are kind of racing to their 40s now and let's face it uh, an f1 driver's window or their career is much longer than it used to be so it's an interesting few remarks from Valtteri. um maybe somewhat over aspirational uh, at this point of his career especially about alfa romeo doing we'll get onto their car performance and where they might be you know in the pecking order in him alone in a moment but do you do you guys see a way to the front for valtteri or do you think this is his career starting to kind of take the steps personally i think he's got another contract in him i think but i can't see him being in the sport past kind of 36 37 if i'm being honest
2: I think he still has a few more years in him. He does say that he feels quite young compared to some of the drivers on the grid. Obviously, he's not the youngest. um, And he feels like he hasn't lost anything performance-wise. I don't see him getting any race wins with Alfa Romeo. The team started off well at the beginning of last year, but then kind of took a curveball towards the end of it. I mean, Bottas had like six DNFs and I remember a few of them being consecutive DNFs as well. And they haven't had a great start to the season this year, but I do feel there is more for the team, more for them to come. I think Bossas and Joe can be quite consistent drivers and to score the points, they need to keep up that consistency. They will do well, but I don't see them winning any races.
1: I think in terms of him, winning races yeah I mean there's always a a lottery race somewhere every you know once maybe every one or two seasons it could be he is the he's the one who benefits from that I think it would take something like a brawn for him to get consistent wins and a situation of a team out of nowhere maybe Aldi maybe if he was still there and and he really did come up with something special for the 2026 regs but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's got one more contract in him. He's, he's still a very solid driver, but I can't see him ending up... I mean, could he replace Perez at Red Bull? That'd be the only thing you could say as a solid number two, but I don't Surely he so. wouldn't.
0: Like, surely not. But also, yeah, in a broad situation, he would fight for wins, but let's face it, he's more of a Barrichello than a button, I think. Not to be overly harsh... But the, I mean, the comparison span throughout his career, right? With Barrichello, I think there's a lot of yeah similarities there. So yeah, it's a lot of a lot of things have to go his way for that to happen, in my view. But whilst we are on the subject of Alfa Romeo, they do have an upgrade package coming this weekend, and. Valtteri boss has suggested that, that it is significant um, or not insignificant. Um, it's probably a more accurate way of describing it. So do you think they're going to be more in in the game over the weekend? He's actually kind of said that he he feels that this start of the year has been stronger in some ways than last year, which I think is interesting. A, because you look at, look at it on paper, it's just, it's it just not on paper. <laughs> Objectively, not true. But, but we also don't see the full picture. They may have gone, okay, we've lucked out a little bit. We've got a car that, we've got some good performances, but we know that the, uh, everything behind the scenes, the organizational structure, all the logistics, everything is not how we need it to be. We're kind of lucking out at this stage. They maybe knew that, and obviously that upgrade path last season clearly wasn't effective. So they may be kind of building back from that baseline that, they felt that they kind of had to peel back what happened last year and then start again, turn it on its head, have an Aston Martin-like year. Um, Obviously, Aston Martin, equal on points in the Constructors' Championship last year, almost the complete polar opposite to to their season. Um, A very kind of zero to hero as opposed to hero to zero season for Aston Martin. Yeah, I think, like you say on paper, it doesn't make any sense.
1: I think they were best of the rest for quite a while last year at force in the standings because they had such a strong start. Valtteri was you know, challenging for top five a couple of times. Uh, yeah, but maybe like they also benefited a lot from having a very light car.
0: They were the only ones, yes. weren't they, yeah, well, originally? That's, that's the big thing, obviously. So in F1, as you know, if you're at the minimum weight limit, you get to then add a ballast to your car to basically add weight where it's advantageous for you to whereas everyone else isn't able to do that because they're already above the weight limit so yeah they benefit from that and it was actually in Imola where he finished fifth if my memory serves me correctly
1: yeah he was chasing down George wasn't he I remember uh Abby what do you think
2: I think this triple header will be key for a lot of teams obviously Alfa Romeo bought I think they bought a couple of new front wing and then a new beam wing as well in Miami and Melbourne. Not entirely sure what the specifics of this upgrade in Imola are. I'm hoping they can get into the top 10 because they have been lacking in that area f- for the whole season so far. I think they've only managed to get into Q3 once out of the first five races. Hopefully they can do a bit more, but as I've said, they've still got a long way to go in my book.
1: Yeah, and even when Valtteri uh, did get into Q3, didn't even get to do a lap, did he? Thanks to the red flag. But before we move on, uh, another word from our sponsors. This show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gift shop online and in-store. Official Formula 1 team wear artwork, models, gifts and now slot cars available online at www.fms.store or you can pick up in-store at their new larger retail store in Brackley, Northamptonshire. And experience their in-store F1 simulator. There's also a new large-scale electric Silverstone track, maybe even set fast laps on both to win monthly prizes. FMS, more than just an F1 store. Collect it, play it, wear it.
2: Well, talking of teams that haven't had very good starts to the season, McLaren has been a topic of conversation throughout the first five races because they have been a bit up and down and they've had some very bad race weekends. And Andrea Stella, the team principal, has come out and said that a lot of this is down to the facilities that they're working with. At the moment, they're currently using the former Toyota facility in Cologne. But in Woking, they are building a new wind tunnel and a simulator. that They're hoping to be done by June. And Stella said that he's hoping that this will allow the team for, to have better representation because the current facilities don't necessarily replicate all the characteristics of a race. He says, overall, if you have more load without changing the characteristics, you'd go quite a bit faster. But within these advantages of having overall more load and less drag, there's this pattern where potentially associated to the infrastructure that we're improving, conditions that are at the track are very challenging. Because you're in a curvature, you can't simulate in the wind tunnel properly. So... The team did bring upgrades in previous races and it did see them improve a little bit, but they have had an up and down season. But with these new facilities that they will be making, they're hoping can replicate all the possible challenges that they will face to then allow them to prepare better for race weekends in terms of strategy and all of that. And another piece of news has come out about McLaren as well, with Peter Windsor, the F1 analyst, he's given his take on both the drivers, saying that he fears for Lando Norris's future with the team because Piastri is, at the moment, not necessarily outshining Lando, but is performing equally and sometimes a bit better than Lando. So two things for you guys. One, do you think that the new facilities that McLaren are building will actually help them improve? And two, what's your take on Peter Windsor's comments?
0: Yes, I do think they will improve things. But how long out are we from that wind tunnel going live?
2: They're aiming for June. So by the end of this month, hopefully.
0: Okay. So we're in let's talk about it mode. Let's not treat this like we do the potential Audi driver for 2026. 20, um yeah, it will improve things. There'll be a lag time though to when we see that. Because obviously you're restricted in how much running you can do. Uh and also there's you know a cap. <laughs> so even if you can, you know, find improvements, then actually putting it on the car is a whole other thing in itself. So yeah, I, I by a fully expected will centralizing it, having control of that Will no doubt you know, yield dividends for them. On Peter Windsor's comment, I feel like Peter Windsor is um, a little bit, um, as you know, to us uh, as Jack Villeneuve is to Canada and Ralph Schumacher is to Germany. Um, to be, <laughs> to be frank, um, that is a a reach. Lando Norris came in what 2019 and immediately was competitive against Carlos Sainz, who had what it was into his what fourth season by that point and is no slouch yeah fifth season and is no slouch so let's face it lando norris has been quick from the start and you expect the same of oscar piastri and you expect him to be closer but over the course of a season lando norris's experience and consistency and pace will shine through I may have said it as a kind of hot take at some point in some kind of pre-season show that I think Piastri could match him but let's let's be realistic here I think it's a little bit attention headline grabby if I'm being perfectly frank Yeah I mean I'm not sure what he's been
1: watching in the first few races because Lando has been ahead almost I mean obviously there was Bahrain uh, sorry Saudi Arabia where he clipped the wall and then ended up out qualified, but beyond that he's comfortably had oscar covered i think oscar's doing a great job so far but yeah i mean what peter windsor said apparently was he feared that norris could be chased out of mclaren uh by piastri who wouldn't look out of place in a race winning red bull that is that's a lot after five races where he's done a decent job but he's not really yeah set the world alight as yet
0: what was that last bit about red bull
1: wouldn't look out of place in a race-winning Red Bull, Piastri.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that in itself says what we need to know. That is a very pointed comment because we know that Landon Norris is obviously linked with that um, potentially vacant Red Bull seat moving forward, obviously with the uh, state of play um, with Perez. So yeah, I mean, that that tells me what I need to know. And let's face it, in Saudi Arabia, I think Piastri finished ahead of him in Saudi Arabia. One of them... Had a first lap incident that then affected the other ones race. I can't remember which way around it was, but also they weren't fighting for anything. Lando kind of just let him go. Like, what's the point? Like, there's no need to be right on it, right behind him, or you know, overtake or whatever. Lando's, you know, he's a mature driver at this stage compared to a lot of the guys on the grid. So yeah, it's that's not that's nothing to me. Well, yeah, whilst we're talking about
1: drivers and how they're fairing up against their teammates, there are some drivers already under pressure, I believe.
0: Yes, so there's lots of comments, lots of rumors, lots of speculation being bandied around. Um, and we'll get onto the comments more specifically in a moment. But those two drivers are two rookies Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries. So before we really get in, let's take tackle this holistically. Do you guys feel like, and this is the first kind of part of this, the rookies aren't given a wide enough berth at the start of their effort careers these days? Is it two results now kind of, yeah, you has know, it, it become too much? Do got, do drivers need to settle into their rookie seasons and their careers subsequently?
2: Yes, I think, I mean, we're five races in, coming up to the sixth race. And like you said, Sam, there are already these comments about De Vries and Sargent and they haven't, had long in an F1 car yes they've been working over the winter done pre-season testing done the first five races but they can't be expected to outshine their teammate or be equal with their teammate straight away it's not fair and like Franz Toss said he believes that rookies should have three years to get up to speed to gain the experience in an F1 car because it is a competitive sport it is the elite of motorsport and they should be able to have that time to get used to it and to settle in And to understand, slating them and saying like, oh, will they be out of a seat by the end of the year or even by Barcelona for one of them? It's too soon. It's not right. I think they need to have the benefit of the doubt to actually get used to F1.
0: There are drivers, right, who from day one, you can just say, like, they're not up to pace. This isn't a thing about mistakes. They just clearly, this is a step too far for them. Uh, A recent example would be Nikita Mazepin. We knew from day dot that money aside, pay driver aside, all of that stuff aside, he made he spun out of his debut three corners in. Or after having a difficult weekend up to that point, anyway. I don't think that is a, a comparable situation to Sergeants or De DeVries's. DeVries is making mistakes. Let's face, but also he was making mistakes in, in Baku, it was particularly bad, and a very trying weekend, new format much less preparation time, which is, yes, a great equaliser, but it will also put the rookies under much more pressure because they need that prep time. They don't know the cars. They don't necessarily know the tracks we haven't raced there as recently in Nick De case. There's all these other factors there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Baku is, is, yeah, incredibly challenging track. How many more crashes do we see there, certainly in qualifying uh, or on push laps than your average weekend? And there's a reason they're called, you know, rookie errors because rookies make them. Things like, yeah, DeVries crashing in at the Melbourne restart. It was, you know, the, that the, the specific the, set of circumstances of having very cold tyres. And
0: wasn't that Sergeant in? Interv- yes, well, I mean, well, same. It was both of them. It was Sergeant and Interv- Vries, I think. Okay, yeah, sorry. But either, either way, I mean, your point yeah. stands regardless,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's those are the kind of things that you learn and hopefully never make again there's so so much less testing these days than the drivers used to get 10 15 years ago like lewis has said how much testing he got in that mclaren before coming in and obviously you know he did set the world alight passing alonso on the first corner uh, infamously but you've got to give the drivers a bit more time
0: now they get yeah one rookie test and what like two days in bahrain and also That kind of, and you know, I think you're right to use Hamilton there as an example, because he had so much testing. And he also, he was the heir apparent to the McLaren throne for how long? Like he knew that was coming. Whereas DeVries had a cameo in Monza and all of a sudden he was in the, he was in the the conversation. The sergeant didn't know until he'd finished his F2 season, whether or not he would be in the car. And yes, traditionally, sometimes you, drivers wouldn't find out until much closer to, this, to the season if they were driving that year. But again, they had loads of testing. And yeah, and again, Hamilton is one of the two, if not the greatest F1 driver of all time. Logan Sargent and Nick de Vries, I'm Shaw sure, can have very good careers and are obviously very good racing drivers in their own r- regard, but then you know they're not necessarily Lewis Hamilton I think where it's difficult for DeVries is that you're looking at someone who's won the Formula E championship he won F2 albeit at 24 and a few seasons into it it's difficult for him he's in his late 20s we don't get that as much anymore you don't get a Damon Hill who comes into the sport late on I I feel like that's part of the the issue for him specifically here yeah
2: and I think with like AlphaTauri being part of the Red Bull family, they do have this mindset of we need to be the best. And in a sport, as an athlete, you do want that. But I do think, like with the crashes and that, just going back to Franz Tost, he said, if a driver is crashing, that's good because then they learn where the limit is. And he referenced Seb when he started out He said, there was no driver not crashing. I remember back to Sebastian, maybe in the first races, came back in the first lap, most often without the front nose. It's a part of the game. They're starting out. They are going to have these ups and downs and crash.
0: Exactly. And James Vowles himself said, Logan clearly has, he's here because he has a pace. He's he's clearly quick, right? It's the consistency that is a big thing. But also, most importantly, I'm not expecting him to be on the pace of Alex. Fair enough, right? Alex performed so well um, early in his career that he got a call up to Red Bull, partly because of Gasly's deficiencies at that point in his career, but nevertheless. So, you know, to pivot back to Alpha Tauri, Yuki Sonoda is a prime example. He was nowhere near the pace of Pierre Gasly. Second season, closer. Third season, obviously. Gasly has departed. But Sonota's looked good. He's looked mature. He's looked measured. He's clearly found a, a a new element to his, you know, he's more dynamic than he was. It's his third season. So far, Franz Tost's kind of philosophy is holding true four or five races into the season. Yeah, I guess the only thing there is
1: it's that unknown of, uh, yeah, of F1 as standard. We don't know whether that AlphaTauri is an awful car and Yuki's having an incredible season whether it's actually you know Pierre would still be the same amount up the road uh, and Nick's having an awful start to the season and so on but yeah I think the point's stands certainly Uh, but finally it will be Alfa Tauri's home race this coming weekend it will also be Ferrari's and they're looking for a home victory Abby
2: they certainly are now I think a lot of people thought that Ferrari were going to come into 2023 and like battle Red Bull battle mags for the championship. That, however, has not happened. They are currently P4 in the standings. And obviously, this year is the first year with new team principal Fred Vasseur, who has worked with Charles Leclerc before. And Leclerc has now come out and said that so far this season, Vasseur has just been taking stock of the team and analysing the situation so that he can then understand the best possible changes to make for the future starting with Imola. He said, so I think the big part of the job will be done from now on, so we will see. Obviously, he speaks to Fred a lot and he knows what his middle and long-term plans are for the team, but Leclerc is fully behind him and trusts him completely. So he is sure that the choices that Viseu will make are the right choices and will go in the right direction for the team. At the moment, they, are try- they have bought some upgrades, but they are trying to ch- achieve the best car. They bought a new floor in Miami and know that... They did take a step back and struggle with the setup over the winter, but they are certain that the new floor they've got will help them improve because both Leclerc and Science have complained about the unpredictability of the car with the oversteer and the understeer and it changing between the two. And they believe that the new upgrades that they are going to bring will help them make sure that they know what the car is going to do and when the car is going to do it to improve their performance overall. So they're hopeful that Imola, if it goes ahead, will be a chance for them to redeem themselves six races into the season.
0: Well, we'll just, I mean, we'll have to see, won't we? Like, we'll, we, we can talk about this to the proverbial cows go home, uh, but, one thing I will say is it sounds a little bit like the characteristics of the car change throughout a stint. That is a lot more difficult for a driver to handle than a consistently understeer or oversteer car. Because you know where you are with that, right? Yeah, you're not going to get peak performance, but you're not having to constantly measure a changing marker throughout a race, which, again, obviously is suboptimal. It's, it's like the the diva
1: comments that we've had about Mercedes in the past isn't it I mean they that is the silver lining there that they have those problems and if they can nail them down maybe there'll be a big jump in performance the worst thing is when we don't know why we're not fast which we've seen with Ferrari in the past I think we've seen it with Mercedes certainly more recently. It's, that's when you've got a real problem. If, the, if it's a case of trying to find that, that fine line of getting the car to do what you wanted to do, then maybe they could get a bit closer to Red Bull. And we will see this weekend if they manage to do that. But for now, I think that's about all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and of course all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. And if you want to let us know anything, it's info at FormulaNerds.com. We'll be back for the Imla race review this weekend, hopefully, assuming it happens. Uh, Sam Abbey, I'll see you there.
0: I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it i'm very much looking forward to the prospect of recording on a sunday uh, straight after the race because <laughs> that is exciting obviously miami i love an evening race but it means we don't get to record the podcast till the next day by which point i've forgotten lots of things so yeah
2: <laughs> yes it should be a good one if the race does go ahead so i look forward to seeing you guys on sunday
1: yeah, I will see you then. Uh, and until it is lights out for the race, it is lights out for us. Mic's off, and away we go. Bye bye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out,
2: and away we go.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.